Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. I'm excited today. We're beginning a brand new series, Exploring Ephesians, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Christians in Ephesus, but also to us today. Practical lessons as we walk as followers of Jesus. So welcome. It's going to be an exciting series. We're glad you're with us. And welcome to the team. Good to be together again. You notice we've got a beautiful new color on the set. Exploring Ephesians. Got some ruins from one of the famous uh, archaeological sites still there in Ephesus, reminding us where the Apostle Paul both visited and where he wrote. So welcome to the team. I think we've also got some remote team members with us. Let's see who's with us today. Rodney, always good to have you with us. Shana, good to see you today. And Sabina, good to see you. We're glad to have our remote team members with us. And we're glad you're with us wherever you are around the world. Sometimes people write and say, can I be a remote team member? Well, actually, we all are, aren't we? You can download the outline from our website. You can join it. And you can then start a Bible study group in your area. But I'd like to have you write to us. Think about that today. sshope at hopetv.org. Because when you write... We see how God is blessing lives around the world. I love this note, class. This is from AJ in Australia. And AJ says, I'm 10 years old, and I live in the outback of South Australia. I love watching Hope Sabbath School every Friday night with my dad, my mom, my sister, and my cousin. My sister and I love all of the program. My favorite part, though, is the interactive Bible discussion. Yeah. <laughs> my dad's favorite, too. My mom and my sister's favorite part are the scripture songs. My dad let me use his messenger account to send this to you. <laughs> but then he concludes with this thought. Beautiful. He said, I love Jesus so much, and I'm sharing with church friends and town friends so they can come to church and learn about Jesus. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That How old's AJ? Ten. Ten. Please say hello to all the team. Blessings to you all. Well, AJ, we're going to give you a wave right now, so just take a look at the team. This is all the way to the outback of South Australia. We never know who's watching yes. this in-depth interactive study. Not just AJ, but sister, cousin, mom, dad. Here's a note from Jennifer on our YouTube channel. You know, we're, I think we're over 90,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel right now. And that's, that's not just people, right? That's families, locations. So amazing. Greetings, Hope Sabbath School team, writes Jennifer. I can't help but notice the Spirit of God shining through every one of you. It's indeed a beautiful sight to behold. And I say, praise God, that's a miracle, right? Amen. If they can see the Spirit of Jesus shining through. I've been watching Hope Sabbath School, writes Jennifer, for about two years, and I cannot imagine my life without tuning in every week. Mm. Oh, thank you so much for what you do to make Sabbath school possible. My appreciation also goes out to those working behind the scenes to create such a beautiful ministry. The enthusiasm I witness is very contagious. Amen. Well, thanks for writing to us, Jennifer, and thanks for remembering our media team, because without them, we just have a quiet Bible study here in the studio. But with them, going to 200 countries around the world. We're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Here's a handwritten note from a donor. 
uh, from New York in the United States. The donor writes, thank you all for the blessings I received through Hope Channel, especially Hope Sabbath School, and a donation of $400. Amen. Part of the miracle, we want to say thank you for your support. And by the way, we're a donor-supported ministry. Thank you to each one of you. You can go to hopetv.org slash donate. Be part of the miracle, just like the donor here from New York State. One last note from Malawi. Travis, you've got some special ministry happening in Malawi. And, and Jivati, Jovati writes from Malawi, studying at Muzuzu University. He says, I'm always blessed watching Hope Sabbath School. May God bless the whole team. Amen. 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 Well, wherever you are around the world, we're glad that you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. And by the way, for this series on exploring Ephesians, we have a wonderful free gift for you. It's a book entitled Acts of the Apostles. There are over 40 chapters in that book that outline the ministry of the Apostle Paul, including a chapter on Ephesians and a chapter on writing of the prison epistles. Ephesians is one of those. So, great resource. You can download your copy absolutely free. Just go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. Click on the free gift button in the middle of the screen and you'll get information to download a copy of that valuable resource, Acts of the Apostles. And you say, Derek, I have one. Well, maybe you have a friend. Maybe you have a family member that would appreciate that resource. Tell them, go to our website, click on the free gift button. While you're at the website, you can download our theme song for this series. It's actually taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, I think, verses 1 to 3. And it says, I therefore beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Let's sing it together. Worthy of the calling, I therefore beseech you to walk. Worthy of the calling with which you were called. With holiness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one Spirit in the bar. 
to walk worthy of the calling i therefore beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called well that's an exhortation from the apostle paul talking about what it means to be followers of Jesus. We'll look at some various metaphors he uses, but here's one of a journey. And he's saying, I want you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Today, we're going to focus on Paul and the Ephesians. Uh, When did he connect with them? When did he write this letter to them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? I learned some new things. We hope you do too. Let's pray as we begin our study. Father in heaven, we want to say thank you that Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness, that it gives us the Word which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you for impressing the Apostle Paul by your Spirit to write this letter, not only to Christians in Ephesus, but also to us. And as we begin this journey, this exciting journey, exploring Ephesians, May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. Bless each Hope Sabbath School member around the world, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, maybe someone watching Hope Sabbath School today says, what is Ephesians? I've never heard. Well, Ephesians are people who live in Ephesus. So let's start there. Anybody, tell me something you know about that ancient city of Ephesus. Travis? Well, I was, when I was studying the lesson, I was reading Acts chapter 19. And in Acts chapter 19, uh, verse 27, it seems that uh, Ephesus has, was a, the center of pagan worship to a goddess uh, Diana or mm-hmm. Artemis. And it seems like the whole world, it even mentions that Asia and the whole world were, mm-hmm. were there to worship. This is one of the wonders of the ancient world that is now completely gone. It's just, it just was destroyed. There, there are some ruins, and you'll see some pictures on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Some ruins still, the famous library there at Ephesus, another, the, uh, the amphitheater is still there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, but that famous temple to the goddess Diana, greatest Diana of the Ephesians, that's gone. Mm-hmm. But that's something that we know. Anybody else? Jason, how, how big was this city? Was it kind of a little backwater city or a famous city? This was a major city. It had, what, a quarter of a million people in it. It was also a major seaport, and it was a capital, so it was a very big political center. Do you know how they estimate approximately how big the cities were? I mean, we don't have records with a census. Anybody know? So I learned this from an archaeologist. He said, one good indication is how large the amphitheater is. Well, that makes sense, right? It's like you don't have a huge sports stadium in a little country town. It'll take a big city to have a huge sports stadium. And there's an enormous amphitheater there in Ephesus. So, yes, large. In fact, some estimate it was one of the largest cities in the entire Roman Empire. Mm. I've heard second, third, fourth. Let's just say it was in the top five, shall we? Yeah. Anything else you know about Ephesus besides the size? Yes, Rodney, I think you've got a comment. What do you know about Ephesus? You know, I just want to uh, uh, tack tail on what Travis just mentioned because Artemis or Diana was, was they, they considered uh, 
her to be the, the protector goddess of the entire city. I mean, it's all the other deities that they served. And what was also interesting is that, you know, the, the civic ceremonies, the annual celebrations, the, even the athletic games, they, they praise Diana. So this city, as we have been saying, is a busy, bustling, and um, just, just a profound city in the first century. And in addition to the pagan worship and the size of the city, it was an something else that's important, which is the reason we're studying it. Sabina. So I'm not sure exactly what you were thinking, Pastor Derek, but what occurred to me is that also Ephesus was a uh, center for trade. So because they were a port city, you had a lot of people coming from all over the world also passing, not only for the worship of uh, this goddess Diana, but also because of trade, which makes us uh, understand better even the book of Ephesus that we are about to study, since there is uh, lots of conversations of how in the first century we're going to have disputes between Gentiles and, uh, you know, the Jewish Christians that arise because you do have a big population of foreigners mm -hmm. in that area. Good. Thank you for pointing that out. It's also a, becomes an important Christian center, mm -hmm. right, Trisha Lee? I was going to share Okay, <laughs> There are believers there. Yes, there were. In fact, in the seven churches in Revelation, Ephesus. the first one is Ephesus. Ephesus. So yep. this was a significant Christian community. Let's turn and uh, let's look at Paul's first visit there. Gladys, we're in the book of Acts. We know the letter to the Ephesians is written much later, but Paul's first visit to Ephesus in Acts chapter 18, could you read for us verses 19 and 20? Yes, I'm reading from the New International Version, and he says, They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. Why? Anybody <laughs> know? It sounds like he was welcomed. He did what he did in many cities. He would go first to the synagogue and, and with a prayer in his heart, the Jews who were looking for the Messiah would believe his testimony that Messiah had come. Had come right, yeah. Jesus of Nazareth had come. So he goes there, they ask him to stay, and he declined. Anybody know why? Why did he decline? Travis? He had future plans to get back to Jerusalem to attend a feast. All right. So, so he was actually stopping on his way, but, but, but had a destination in mind. Let's read verse 21, Kenneth, if you'd uh, follow on Acts 18 and verse 21. Uh, even though he declined, uh, what did he say? Yeah, reading from Acts 18, verse 21. But took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. All right, so uh, he uh, had to go, but what did he say to them? I'll come back. I'll, I'll, I'll be back. Yeah. Now, of course, you say, well, maybe. But no, he really did intend to come back because, as we pointed out, this city has a strategic location, right, mm -hmm. in the Roman Empire. Sabina pointed out on a key trade route, seaport, lots of people going through there. He recognized the importance of that city. Well, even though he left, there was someone who came to prepare the way, Jackson. 
Could you read for us in the same chapter of Acts 18, verses 24 to 28? And I like this uh, insight because it reminds us, even for Hope Sabbath School team members, that we're not the only people God will use, right? Yes. God is raising up men and women, young and old, around the world to proclaim the good news of a God who loves yes. with an everlasting love. But Jackson, who shows up on the scene to, to build on that initial introduction by Paul? I'm reading from the New King James Version, Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Ooh. Amazing. So who's God using? Is he using Apollos or is he using Aquila and Priscilla? All of them. All of them. All of them. <laughs> the correct answer in this multiple choice question is all of the above, right? What do Aquila and Priscilla do uh, as part of this work. Yes, I, I love leave. it. They had a ministry and it wasn't to uh, bash or make Apollos feel bad because he didn't have everything correct. They encouraged him and they corrected some of maybe his misunderstandings and they did it in a loving way that encouraged him to keep preaching. He wasn't embarrassed when they were finished, you know, correcting him. So what they did was really important work. I like what it said. They explained the word of God more accurately. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Jackson? It says that he knew only the baptism of John. Mm -hmm. So uh, his understanding of Jesus and his ministry was not, not so much. So mm -hmm. it's, it's so beautiful where they could take a young Christian and they could mentor him and train him into the truths of the scripture. Yeah, and he was powerful though, wasn't he? He yeah. was refuting, uh, you oh, know, the false teachings uh, that were held. I see three hands raised from our remotes. I'm gonna start with Shana. Shana, what do you notice from reading about uh, Apollos and Aquila and Priscilla? So there is actually another verse in, in Paul's, um, in the scriptures that Paul wrote that says that um, Paul, planted the seeds of, of the gospel, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Mm, yeah. So this influence that Priscilla and Aquila had on Apollos uh, gave him the ability to then go on and nurture other Christians where he could help to water them, mm. um, which is essentially the same thing that Priscilla and Aquila were doing, helping to um, to refine his refine the truth that he knows so that he could then go on to spread the truth of the gospel. Amen. Thank you so much yep. for sharing. You know, the greatest compliment for a teacher is to see your student go yep. beyond you, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And actually, later also in Paul's writings where some say, I'm of Apollos, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm of, or I'm of yeah. Jesus, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
Apparently, he, he became quite an influential leader. Of yes. course, Paul says, no, we don't follow people. We all follow Christ, Amen. right? Amen. But, but he became an important leader in the church. Well, I noticed, the Rodney, you also had your hand raised. What do you think about these uh, three early Christian teachers? Well, we can learn so much from Apollos. Um, his attitude, he was living and preaching to the light that he knew. Derek, some of us are, we have, we have uh, the light, but we're not sharing it at all, or we're sharing just a little. So I'm just appreciative of how uh, he operated with the, the knowledge that he had of the gospel, and also his attitude when uh, Aquila uh, came to him and said, okay, let's show you a little bit more about this Christ. And he was open enough yes. to receive additional information mm -hmm. so that he can preach more accurately, as the Bible said. So I really appreciate the the um, the behavior and the attitude of Apollos. That we can learn sense. a lot. Makes sense to everybody. I'm yeah. I'm seeing Sabina's hand too. Sabina, we got we got remotes coming in from all over. It's great that we can be part of this interactive study. Um, you're also impressed as you see this little portion. Paul says, "Good to see you. Glad you want to hear the truth. See you later. I'll be back." But God's now using Apollos and Aquila and, Pris and Priscilla, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget Priscilla. <laughs> that is right. And, you know, I, I think that what impresses me the most is to hear how a person who not even knew yet about the baptism of Jesus was being called by God, mm -hmm. was being called by the Holy Spirit, impressed to move forward in sharing truth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes we may limit ourselves uh, in, in doing the work of God or sharing just because we think we have limitations including limitations in full understanding of scripture. And I think that this for me is the proof that God is calling all, all those who are sincere, all those who have the desire to serve fully. And in the path, he will bring you know, others to help and instruct, but he can use really any person who is sincere and desireful of sharing truth. Amen. Amen. I just want to emphasize, and you see it here in our team, that God uses men and women to accomplish His work. Amen. It doesn't say, Aquila, aren't you? and he was married. No, no. There was a team in ministry here yeah. that came to encourage this young Apollos to go on to become a great proclaimer of the gospel. Well, Amen. they didn't stay long, or I should say Paul didn't stay long, uh, when he got back to uh, Caesarea and to Jerusalem. But he comes back fairly quickly. And Nicole, I'd like you to pick up the story for us in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Uh, let's, let's see what kind of welcome he gets um, coming back from a, a very brief uh, initial visit. Sure. So the New International Version um, of Acts 19, 1 through 8 says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. 
There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Mm. So how would you describe his welcome when he came back, at least his initial welcome? Mm -hmm. You say, well, I don't know. He hasn't talked to the city yet. It was a yeah. huge city, right? Jason, you said maybe a quarter of a million people, but at least some people, 12? 12. How would you describe the welcome? Uh, it's a bit confusing because uh, he's coming back and there are some believers that they're part of the way, but they don't have the full knowledge. So it sounds like there's some more work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So it comes back to something Sabina said earlier, and that is that God can use people who don't know everything, right? Yeah. Uh, because he was apparently using these 12. Nicole? But they were clearly receptive because mm -hmm. when he corrected them and told them that one baptism that they were involved in was only repentance, they needed the Holy Spirit, they were willing to accept that and then allow the Holy Spirit to lead them into further truth. Well, let's see how it unfolds, Trisha Lee, in verses 9 and 10 of Acts chapter 19, because uh, at least uh, initially he's welcome to the mm -hmm. synagogue, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you say, well, only 12. Well, 12 is not a bad response from some initial teaching. Yeah. What happens in verses 9 and 10 of Acts 19? Reading from the New King James Version, But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Hmm. So I have a question before we look at the school of Tyrannus and being there for two years and how influential that was. <coughs> Why did they call this group the way? Anybody... Uh, what, what, what do you think? Yes, Trisha Lee? Think about Jesus called himself, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Yeah. So they, they could have said the Jesus followers, they right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were the way. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody else? Does that make sense to everybody? Mm -hmm. Certainly the Christian life is not a static experience, mm -hmm. is it? Mm -hmm. It's a journey. Yes. In fact, the song we sang, Travis, Walk Worthy of the Calling, yeah. sounds like the way rather than yes. the uh, building a building and just staying there. Yes. I actually like that, uh, the way, because it just paints Jesus as the mediator, the link between mm. heaven and earth, the ladder, you know, the connection, you know, uh, with one hand on the throne and one hand here. You know, I think it's just a beautiful way to describe Jesus as the way. He is the way. And so when we follow him, we're on the way. Mm. Yes. Okay. Now, talk to me about this school of Tyrannus. Do we know anything about it besides the fact that it was next door to the synagogue? Anybody know? What makes it so uh, strategically important in terms of Paul's ministry in Ephesus? What do you think? Anybody? Well, yes, Gladys? I think that the Greeks, they, they like to, to discuss philosophy. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the things that, that you know, the, the knowledge, knowledgeable people of the time, they will get together and discuss. So being in one of the schools, I think it would be very influential because the, all the people that wanted to learn something came to them. Now, I'm, uh, Jackson, you've been to school for quite a few years, right? <laughs> What's something that is uh, typical about an educational institution, would you say? What are some characteristics of an educational institution? Sure. So in an educational institution, it's usually the basics are taught first, and then more advanced classes are taught at a later point. Okay. 
So another thing is uh, when you finish studying, you get graduate. There is a graduation ceremony. And then what happens next? This is a key point. What happens after you graduate? You go teach. We get hired. You go somewhere, <laughs> right? Yeah. You yeah. go somewhere. It, it's not, uh, unless you're a professor there, right, Nicole? <laughs> you say, well, I've been at the school for 30 years. You're like, what's your problem? <laughs> you typically finish, and then you graduate and go somewhere. Yeah. Sabina? So just like nowadays, we have the internet that helps us a lot when you're looking for information. Obviously, you need to use criteria, right? But back in that day, when Paul was teaching, there was no such thing as Googling, oh, how can I learn about this or that? So the schools were really a big center of influence. Mm. And what happens is that Paul, he chose that as one of the first places where he started sharing the word of God very wisely, because then from there he had influential people, knowledgeable people that started also uh, sharing and spreading the message that they had learned from Paul. So I think it's outstanding that he started from there also. So what lesson can we learn from him? He goes to the synagogue, few people are receptive, but then people start speaking evil about him. What lesson can we learn for our lives today? Travis? Well, I just like that Paul, instead of confrontation, making a big, I mean, if he would have continued there, it would have just been a mess. He just simply chose to move the believers to a different place educate them in the gospel so that they could go out. And I just think we learned that there is a time to just step back and move away and not get into some argument or, you know, some kind of a, a disgruntled uh, discussion about what's happening. Yeah, he could have said, also, I'm going home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm going back to Tarsus, right? Or I'll, I'll go back to Antioch and Syria or whatever. But, but he, he adjusts, right? Shows mm -hmm. some flexibility. Rodney, you want to add to that? This move by Paul was a spirit-led one. Uh, we sometimes underestimate the, the influence and power of an educational institution. I, I give you a very, very quick uh, example of that. My son goes to, to one of our schools, our Assembly Admin schools, and there was, a lit, there was a gentleman his age, a, a young gentleman his age, in the community that the school was, and he told his mom somehow he wants to go to that school, one of our schools. And um, his mother heeded to his, his, his bidding, and, and she sent him to one of our, our schools that my son was um, attended. The long and short of the story is that my son befriended this, 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 this um, young gentleman from the community going to the school, and he, he was baptized consequently as a result of going to one of our schools. So the point being that when, when Paul was instructed to go to the school of Tyrannus, it was a way that he can disseminate the gospel to the minds that are open uh, to different types of um, religions, if you will. But of course, clearly, with the spirit of the Lord working on Paul and the people, they could be convinced that Jesus is the way. Amen. And, and we, we've got to move on. I'm going to ask Shana to read a scripture for us from Acts 19, beginning with verse 11. But, but back to what Jackson was sharing, typically people who go to a school are open to learn. Yeah. Yes. yes. Unless their parents force them to go, right? Then, of course, it doesn't work. But typically, people go to a school to learn, and, and then, as Jackson said, they will graduate and they'll go somewhere. Yeah. So I, I like, Rodney, your point that, that this is really a Holy Spirit-led move that will cause the gospel to not only impact Ephesus, 
but to impact the world. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, Shenu, could you read on for us in Acts 19? Because something else happens. Uh, Rodney, kind of tying in with this is Holy Spirit led. There are manifestations during this teaching ministry which we should notice. Shana, Acts 19, beginning with verse 11 through verse 20. Sure, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. <laughs> also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Mm. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on all them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Mm. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. That is an amazing passage of Scripture, and there's several key lessons. Kenneth, what, what's something that jumps out at you? There's many lessons embedded in that short passage. What impresses you? Um, the first thing is the fact that God used this apostle to accomplish so many things, even to the extent that a handkerchief from him could be used and through faith heal the sick. And, and uh, you know, as you, as you well know, this is a person who was killing Christians sometime mm -hmm. before, mm -hmm. forcing yeah. them to blaspheme the name of Jesus. Now, I know more than an, almost two decades has gone by, but we would have to agree that this is a transformation. Yeah. And mm -hmm. why does God do that? I mean, you know, that seems kind of, I don't know. It's certainly extraordinary that a little piece of cloth or shadow could bring healing. What, what's going on here? Maybe it's back, Rodney, to a comment you made earlier. Trisha yeah, Lee? Rodney said it was spirit-led move. Yeah. And so, you know, God knows what's needed in different parts of the world or different regions. And... It said here, some unusual miracles were worked. And so, you know, God allows these particular miracles to be worked in this particular city because he knew the impact it would have. We read what was happening, that people were confessing and giving away their, their evil practices. And so it was effective in this particular part of the world. It got the attention of a lot of people. And, you know, through that, God was able to work on their hearts. Of course, you've got the embedded story about some people who think, well, I'll try some magical things too. And that doesn't work because this is all about what? How is Paul able to do these things? Jesus. It's only because he has a connection yeah. with the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit's working in him, right? Yeah. Travis? It's just like God to work this way. He's always relating to the people that are there. And this was the epicenter of pagan worship, magic and sorcery and these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so God you, works in that way to reach them. 
to the fisherman, it was fishing. To the farmer, it was grain. And, and, he, and to the woman at the well, it's water. And here, they've been used to this sorcery and magic. And now, God is working through the Spirit, mm -hmm. and a handkerchief touches them. What is going on? <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. definitely a powerful, powerful thing to those who he's witnessing to. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm thinking that the, the magic of the seven sons of Sceva didn't work, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, no. He's demonstrating the power is through a personal relationship with Christ, Amen. Jason. And it leads to a reformation. There's actually a change in behavior mm -hmm. there where they bring their books and burn them and they, they get converted. So it's, it's not just miracles happen, but there's actually a change in mm -hmm. the lives of the people personally in their own spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. You know, if you read the end of Mark's gospel, we won't take the time to read it now, but it says signs and wonders will follow them. And the mm -hmm. last verse says, confirming the word. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So this is not a circus. Yeah. This is not just kind of religious fireworks. Mm -hmm. yeah. this, this is confirmation that the truth they're proclaiming or that Paul is proclaiming about Jesus is true. And we would say, and also Apollos and Aquila and Priscilla. Yep. Uh, Sabina. And also, um, just noting that, yes, he was confirming the word of God, but also we need to remember that God is love and that he cares so much for the well-being of people, right? So whatever we walk, the places we walk into, healing should follow also those we are interacting with. Mm. So I, I see that, First place, God's desire was to heal the sick, was to deliver those who were imprisoned. And then obviously that also creates impressions in the hearts of those who are watching around. So it brings glory to God, but it also brings healing to those who are in need. And Jesus was always moved by compassion because he loved people so much. And that's what took him to heal others. Yep. Uh, and we could expect with this kind of powerful work, Jason, I'm going to ask you to read on in verses 23 to 34 of Acts 19. We would expect that if this was a center of, would we say, occult activity, right? Because yeah. these are yeah. false gods, magic, right? Mm -hmm. that, that the enemy is not going to sit passively by. Mm -hmm. no. no. There will come a satanic challenge mm -hmm. to the ministry of the apostle. And let's see who God uses. What's amazing as we read this story is Satan will try to use someone, but God will use an unexpected yep. person too. Yep. So let's pick up the story, Jason, in Acts 19, verse 23 through 34. The New King James Version says in Acts chapter 19, verse 23 through 34, And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. 
And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. <laughs> and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted mm -hmm. to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice mm -hmm. cried out for about two hours, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. What wow. is going on here? What, what, what does this remind you of? Confusion. A riot. A riot, okay. Chaos. Does it remind you of any other event, Kenneth? It, it reminds me about um, how Jesus, when he was about to be persecuted, yeah. yes. and then the crowd started yeah. crucifying him. So this is Satan, this is one of Satan's effective means of mm -hmm. trying to prevent the work of God from going Right. On. But the very same thing, we are going to see that God uses the very <laughs> same means to spread his word. So you, you know, one wonders, thank you for bringing that. That's exactly what was on my mind is the crowd when Jesus mm -hmm. was on trial. One wonders whether in the crowd crying, crucify him, crucify him. Some of the people shouting said, who is it that we're talking about? <laughs> yes. you know? Like they didn't even know who it was. Mm -hmm. Apparently in this situation, they didn't even know who the riot was about. Mm -hmm. yeah. But this mass hysteria mm. yeah. uh, is being used. Could that still happen today, or do you yeah. think we're too... Uh, it does. It does. It does happen today, <laughs> mm -hmm. where people are acting violently, and they don't even know why. really yeah. why. Yeah. Yep. Now, Kenneth pointed out that God's going to step in. And you know, that's so amazing about God, isn't it? Yeah. Because without intervention, what does this picture look like? Anybody? What does it look They'll like? Be killed. Okay. It looks yes. like this yes. is the end. Mm -hmm. And yes. by the way, it was the end for Stephen, the faithful deacon. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we can't just say, well, nothing bad would happen. Mm -hmm. Paul may have said, Lord, if this is the time, yeah. like Jesus prayed, into your, yes. into yes. your hands, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> I commit my spirit. I commit my life. Mm -hmm. But God is going to work. Gladys, would you pick up the story in verse 35 yes. to 41? We do not even know the man's name, do we? We just know he was a city clerk. <laughs> but what does God do, beginning in Acts 19, verse 35? I'm reading from the New International Version, and he says, The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable and ought to calm down and do not uh, do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed the goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring it up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we will not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. After he has said this, he dismissed the assembly. <laughs> we don't know his name, Rodney. We don't know his name. What, 
what do you, uh, is this just kind of fortunate or is the Holy Spirit guiding even this mm -hmm. city clerk? He appears to honor Diana. Mm -hmm. He appears to refer to the fact that they believe that this, uh, uh, something fell down from heaven, right? Uh, what, what, what do you see happening here, Rodney? Derek, I'm just, I'm just amazed by how God can use quote-unquote evil and turn it in a way that just magnifies his name. Yeah. Mm. I'm going back to what Kenneth mentioned earlier about the, the commotion with, with, with Jesus. At the end of the day, there were so many people surrounding three crosses where Jesus was at the center. In other words, it gave Jesus the opportunity, if that makes sense, the opportunity to demonstrate to the world that I'm dying for you. Over time, they will understand. Here it is again. We have this, this massive crowd um, in the theater. And again, confusion. But then God uses this no-name city clerk mm -hmm. to speak some sense in, in the crowd, so to speak. And again, around one topic. And the topic is about the way. So even though they came for the wrong reasons, and some of them, as the Bible says, had no idea why they were there, after they left, they knew why they were there. Mm -hmm. Jesus again manifested his power through the city clerk. Amen. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? So mm -hmm. takeaway lesson in this part. Now, you know, there's been a great response, but now satanic challenge. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yet God brings a deliverance out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even Paul or uh, Aristarchus or what was the other Gaius. fellow's name we don't even know much about. Uh, Gaius, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they go, who was that? <laughs> why, why, was, why did he speak in our defense, Travis? You know, <clears throat> I think the English interpretation of the word clerk um, sells short who this man was. He was a city translator. He was a scribe. He was the mediator of the city, the go between the government and the people. And I learned something from this, Derek, and that is I believe God's got people in government all over, <laughs> high ranking <laughs> officials, um, holding the powers of Satan in check mm -hmm. through these people. And I just praise God for that. Amen. God wow. can just work uh, through this whole thing. And here he used a, a high ranking city official um, to hold the powers of Satan in check. Mm. Well, there's one more visit. We're going to take a look at briefly and then look at the book of if the letter to the Ephesians as a whole, just by way of introduction. But there's one last visit. When he's on his way back, he stops in Miletus. Some of you may have been there. It's a port south of Ephesus. He doesn't actually go to Ephesus, but he calls the Ephesian elders to come. Let's pick up that story Tricia Lee, if you would, for us in Acts 20, beginning with verse 17. Um, you might say, I wonder why he didn't go back to the city. It wasn't too far. Well, maybe the same reason he didn't stay long time the first visit, because he was on his way somewhere. But he does want to convey a message to the elders from Ephesus. Let's pick up the story in Acts 20, beginning with verse 17 through 36. Reading from the New King James Version. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. 
how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Mm -hmm. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers mm -hmm. to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Mm -hmm. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Mm. Mm. Now, Zendeli, I want you to read the reaction of the group in 37 and 38. It, they could have responded a, a great deal to some of the key things yeah. about the wolves mm -hmm. and about false teachers <laughs> rising up. Yeah. He's going to address some of that when he writes this letter to mm -hmm. them yeah. that we're going to be studying in, the, in this series. But, but just the fact that they recognize that this is his last conversation with them. Uh, Zandili, let's see in verses 37 and 38 of Acts 20, how they responded. And then my question for the group is, why did they respond that way? Sandili? Okay, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and verse 37 says, Then they wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. 38, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, and they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Mm. So, a uh, pretty emotional response, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, why? I mean, was it just that he was a good teacher? Jackson, what do you think? I think the people there had a personal relationship with Paul. They saw a genuine interest in their, in their well-being, the genuine burden that he wanted them to be saved. So, when somebody so loving is gone, and who might not uh, show up again, in, the, in their place, I think that was very emotional for the people. Mm. Yeah. More than just, wow, we learned a lot at the school of Tyrannus, right? <laughs> but that, that sense of the love of God, 
Mm. Isn't that poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit yep. who's given yes. to us? So they saw miracles, yes, but they saw the love of God yep. flowing through him. Yeah. And even though it's his last visit, it isn't yeah. really. Yeah. Why? Because he's he going to write this inspired letter to them. And in the five minutes we have left in our study, I want to just talk about that. If you've scanned the whole letter, we're going to look at it in pieces. By the way, I love series like this where we go through one of the inspired books of the Bible. What, what, what impresses you, Kenneth, when you look at the big picture? So when I look through the book of Ephesians, one of the things I think Paul talked about was part of this farewell message that he gave them, which is about Christian unity and also preserving the unity in the church and also making sure that you stick to the Word of God mm -hmm. so that both inside and outside, all the deception that will come attacking the church will not prevail. So that idea of unity and, of course, in, in that unity is unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace, yes. mm -hmm. like the song that yeah. we sang. Jason, what else jumps out to you as you look at the big picture of the letter? The Christ-centered focus of the book. Every mm. chapter, like every verse, Christ is just there all throughout mm. Ephesians. It's all about Jesus. There are some images of the church. Yep. We're not going to unpack them all, but what are some pictures that he uses? It ties in with unity, yes. doesn't it? Mm -hmm. yep. What's one of them? Well, Derek, in chapter 2, I like that uh, access for everyone is provided. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. To every every mm, person beautiful. in the world, access to salvation. Yeah. All right, Jackson? My favorite is chapter 6, the army. <laughs> okay, the army and, and, and the fact that we're all when he says put on, he's not talking to one person. Mm -hmm. What are some other images that emphasize the unity? Yes, Rodney. Bride. The bride, okay. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't say the brides, right? <laughs> but the bride, uh, Sabina. Also the body of Christ the and the emphasis on their gifts and the importance of using them and sharing the body of Christ. So he begins his letter, grace and peace to you. Mm -hmm. yep. and, and he ends his letter, I think is what is it? The peace of the Lord Jesus, yeah. the grace, grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. uh, why do you think studying this inspired letter, he's, he's not going to go back to Ephesus, but he is going to send this letter yep. some years later when he's in prison in Rome. Why do you think studying this letter is so important for us today. What, why should we watch it, this series, Rodney? What do you think? I love what Jason said earlier, which is the Christ-centered nature of the yep. book. If you miss anything from Paul, Paul is saying, follow Christ. And that's the message for us today. Yep. All right. Follow Christ. Gladys? I think, that, I think that he encompassed everything of Christian living. You know, to be open to others, Jews and Gentiles, how to live in, in harmony, not only as a body of Christ, but also in your homes, so your husband, your children, mm. your generation. It's just like he encompassed everything about the gospel. It's very practical. Yep. Uh, Nicole? You took my word right out of my <laughs> mouth. I was going to say it's a very practical book yeah. that helps us to understand what is expected for us as Christians in this world, not just for Ephesus, but also in our time today. All right. Travis? So uh, uh, taking the book of Ephesians and then going to Revelation, putting the two together, making Jesus your first love. Mm. Yep. Yeah, we don't uh, want to lose that. Sabina, closing comment. Uh, we are living in a very polarized world nowadays. There's so much division around mm. many issues that go from politics to religion, 
uh, to issues in households and the way that people, they live their lives and how they care for their health, for instance. So I think more than ever, this message is to help us to focus in what matters the most, which is Christ. And it would definitely have a great use if you are facing divisions or challenges in reconciling with people. Mm. That will be a way for you to have your heart in set in the right place and provide some yes. hope and refreshment for unity. So with all of that polarization, with all of that division, I think the call to Christian unity is more relevant than ever before. Yes. And that theme song that yes. we've learned from Ephesians 4, I therefore beseech you, Paul says, to walk worthy of the calling. And what's the calling? We are redeemed sons and daughters of God, Amen. saved by His grace through yep. faith. And He pours His love into our hearts by the yes. Holy Spirit. By the way, He doesn't just want us to love the people within the body of Christ. He wants us to love everyone, mm -hmm. that they would be drawn to a saving Amen. knowledge of Jesus. Amen. Yes. This is a practical series. And so I want to invite you to join us in this series, Exploring Ephesians. Not just so you could know more about the letter, but more about Jesus, mm. our awesome Savior. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this inspired testimony written from a prison cell by the Apostle Paul, not only to Christians in Ephesus, but also to us. May we learn practical lessons to walk as sons and daughters of God, redeemed by your grace. In these last days, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School today. Don't forget to go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. Click on the free gift button. Get that wonderful resource. Take the things you're learning through this series on exploring Ephesians and go out. Be a blessing to those around you.